Well, don't clap yet. I haven't preached yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, if one of, the, one of the greeters would be so wonderful as to get me a cup of water, that would be wonderful. One of the greeters. Leader, maybe. Leader, could you get me a cup of water? Water? Agua? Por favor. I just spoke Spanish to a Chinese man. I'm sure that's... I'm sure that's going to go over real well. But um, me and Leader do love each other. And, um, you know, while we're at it, while we're thanking people in our uh, community, we also have Alan on our soundboard. He's in the back. We have Yah upstairs uh, changing slides. We have Peck as well doing our lights. We have Gan in production. We have Jonathan who did the graphics this week. We have Rose, Pastor Rose, that sent out your sermon notes this morning. And we have other people behind the scenes that are helping and, and making this happen as well. Let's give them a round of applause. This morning, I, I want to continue our series, and our series is From Promise to Fulfillment. Uh, we are looking at um, concepts in the Old Testament, prophetic words in the Old Testament, um, people and, and anointings in the Old Testament that ultimately found their fulfillment in Jesus and through Jesus. And last week, Pastor Rose uh, looked at the Good Shepherd, and we looked at Psalm 23, uh, as well as the life of Jesus, how he is our Good Shepherd. Um, and this morning, I'm going to look at a concept that some of you maybe have never heard of. And some of you might be somewhat familiar with, and some of you are very familiar with it. But I felt prompted by the Lord to speak on this topic because simply I believe this morning that there is more for you. I believe that the Lord has more for you. And if you will open up your heart and your spiritual hands this morning, and your spiritual eyes this morning, I believe that he's going to give you something special. Just like this cup of water. Thank you, leader. Perfect timing. I'll pour it, thank you. But I wasn't gonna get this cup of water if I didn't ask for it. And I also wouldn't get this cup of water if Leader didn't go and get it and deliver it. I will assure you this morning the Lord wants to deliver it. The question is whether you want to ask for it and receive it. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's refreshing. It just, I was parched. I mean, my lips were stuck together. I had cotton balls in my mouth. Not because of nerves, but just dryness. And sometimes we get dry. Anybody get dry? Oh, come on, really? You don't get dry? We all get dry, right? We all get dry. But the Lord this morning wants to posture us, our hearts, just with open hands, just to receive. But you have to want it. The topic this morning is impartation, impartation. God wants us to be empowered by impartation. 
You see, many of us, our main point this morning is that many of us are still operating with an old system, an old operating system. Sometimes if you're on your computer and you've used it for a while, this little box pops up, at least it does on my Mac, and it pops up and it says new operating system, up, upgrade. And you have to click it to get it. You have to clip it, you have to accept it in order to use it. And I believe that the Lord was saying this morning, some of you are operating with an old system. And he has a new software download for you. But you're gonna have to accept. Holy Spirit is desiring to download a fresh anointing this morning. As I talk about impartation, I want to talk a little bit about anointing. This is also a concept some of us are familiar with. Some of us have heard it at one time in our life or another time. Some of us are very familiar with it, but I want to talk about it because I believe that impartation is also a lesson on anointing. And throughout the Bible, we have the concept of anointing. Throughout the Old Testament, we see anointing for different things, and often the anointing will come with oil, oil of anointing. I mean physical oil of anointing. But this physical oil of anointing represents something that is happening in the spiritual realm, which God somehow, through the prayer for anointing, God imparts his wisdom, his knowledge, his power, his understanding, his spiritual gifts. He imparts it through human beings to one another. In the Old Testament, we have anointing oil that was used. I'll give you a few examples of where it was used. Um, when a slave would uh, move to a new legal status of being set free, oil was used. Anointing oil. In the transfer of property, if, if we were buying and selling property, and, and, and one person was buying it from another person, anointing oil was used in that ceremony to indicate a transfer of property. The engagement of a bride, there would be a ceremony held and anointing oil would be used in that ceremony. Again, a transfer of legal standing from single to engaged, betrothed. Another oil was used in the healing of skin diseases. Another anointing oil was used when they appointed and anointed kings, priests, prophets. There was this anointing oil that was placed on individuals as a symbol of God's anointing, God's power, God's purpose that is coming on an individual. Anointing oil was used when Moses transferred leadership to Joshua and Joshua became the new leader of Israel. Anointing oil was used on the eighth day of purification for lepers, that when lepers were declared cleansed on the eighth day, they would anoint them with oil. Temple objects were anointed with oil. In the New Testament, the book of James, chapter 5, talks about when you go to pray for someone, anoint them with oil and pray for them. Now, oil in and of itself is not holy. 
Oil in and of itself, as you're walking through the grocery store and you see all this oil, it's not holy. It becomes holy when it is taken and it is set apart for purposes of God. So if you take regular olive oil in your home and you pray over that olive oil and you use it to anoint objects in your home or you anoint your children or you anoint your wife or your wife anoints you or you anoint your home, it now a regular object, because it's been set apart for purposes of God, it becomes holy. You don't need holy from Israel to pray for someone. But oil represents something very powerful. Pastor Rose and I had an opportunity this week to, to go and bless someone's home. Person had just bought a new place and they wanted us to pray over their home. And so I brought a little bottle of oil and we prayed over the different areas, the different rooms, and we just blessed this home. And I anointed it with oil, like there's oil all over this house now. Um, but what was amazing about this concept is, you see, what was on me is now on the places I touch. The concept of impartation is God uses us to pray and impart the things that are on him, and they're transferred through us to be on each other. This morning, I wanted to watch a a video, and this is the coronation of King Charles. There's some things in this video that jumped out to me for this message this morning, and so this is about two minutes long, and if if you haven't seen the coronation, I want you to see it, and I want you to hear what is said when King Charles uh, becomes king. So we're going to play that clip. It's about two minutes long, and then I'll continue my message. Royal scepter, the ensign of kingly power and justice. and the rod of equity and mercy, a symbol of covenant and peace. May the Spirit of the Lord who anointed Jesus at his baptism so anoint you this day that you might exercise authority with wisdom and direct your counsels with grace, that by your service and ministry to all your people, justice and mercy may be seen in all the earth. Sacred anointing is done. Presentation of regalia complete. The moment of crowning has arrived. In the chair of St. Edward, with the crown of St. Edward, King Charles III is acclaimed. And Lord of Lords, bless we beseech thee this crown, and so sanctify thy servant Charles upon whose head this day thou dost place it for a sign of royal majesty, that he may be crowned with thy gracious favour and filled with abundant grace and all princely virtues. Through him who liveth and reigneth supreme over all things, one God, world without end. Amen.
I don't know about you, but like what a godly ceremony. Right after that, something interesting happens. They say together, long live the king. But sometimes I think we forget where the anointing comes from. Sometimes we forget that the the anointing that I'm talking about this morning is from Jesus. And I believe that the Lord has this for you this morning. As I was watching this video, I felt like I saw with my mind's eye the Lord coming up to you and putting a crown on you. That he has anointed you for things. You you may not think you're capable of it. You may not think you have the ability for it. You may not think, you may think, I'm too old for it. I'm too young for it. I'm not educated enough. And, And whatever it might be, whatever those hurdles might be, he will crown you. And when he crowns you, he will give you the ability and the anointing to do what he has called you to do. I felt this picture of of what was happening to King Charles was happening to us in this place. And some of you might think that's sacrilegious or something. I'm not sure. But the Lord wants you to rule and to reign with him. To be used for his glory. God is waking up his church. The days of coming and observing a professional pastor do ministry is over. You've been crowned. You've been anointed. Where there is anointing, there is appointing. And this morning, I believe the Lord has an impartation if you will take it. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 7, as we make this official in God's word. Impartation is transferable. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance. This is the story of Elijah and Elisha. How many of you know this story? Okay, Rose, I might need some help this morning. Second Kings chapter two, verse seven. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the ground to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? 
And Elisha says to him, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left. And he crossed over. Lord, we just be with that ambulance or police car, wherever they're going right now, in Jesus' name. We pray for protection, provision, um, healing over the people they might be visiting. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were there watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. An impartation is an upgrade. It's an upgrade from the Holy Spirit. Elijah, Elijah had, had done ministry. He had seen miracles. He had seen healings. He saw creative miracles. We have eight miracles or so documented in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And Elisha is following Elijah around this whole time. And he's seeing the ministry of Elijah. And they come to a moment where, where Elijah takes off his cloak. I have a shirt underneath this. And Elijah takes off his cloak. This is all planned. Not really. And something happens. Elijah is taken up. Right before Elisha's eyes, Elijah is taken up. Elisha has asked a very difficult thing. He said, the one thing I want, think about this. The one thing I want is twice as much as what God did through you. Elisha would get twice as much. But I'm sure he didn't just have twice as many miracles. In fact, 16 miracles of Elisha are recorded compared to the eight of Elijah. He had a double portion. But I'm sure he got double the frustration, double the problems. Because with the anointing doesn't just come easy street. As Pastor Rose talked last week about the challenges of being in ministry. But Elijah goes up. Elijah goes up in this whirlwind and his cloak with him, his anointing with him. And the Bible says that at some point his cloak came falling down to the ground. This is what Elisha has asked for. 
This is what he wants. And he goes and he picks it up. We read that Elijah's last miracle in his ministry is to split the Jordan. What does Elisha do? He rolls up the cloak, he goes up to the Jordan, and he's like, let's see if this works. I mean, really? And he bends down, touches the Jordan. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And something happens. The God of Elijah is the God of Elisha. The reason we know that the God of Elisha is the same is because the miracles are the same. But I believe that many of us don't realize that there's a cloak for all of us. It says that Elisha tore his cloak. Some of us this morning have to tear off the old to wear the new. Some of us have to take the old cloak off and throw it to the side to wear what God is calling us to wear. I was praying on Friday for this service. And as I was praying for this service, the Lord began to show me some interesting things. As I was praying for the service, I, I began to see with my spiritual eyes, I began to see purple cloaks coming down from the ceiling over this section. I began to see blue cloaks coming over here. I began praying over the seats in the sanctuary. And as I was praying over the seats in the sanctuary, God began to show me the people that were going to be here this morning. And he began to speak to me about your lives. You know what he didn't show me, though? He didn't show me any junk. He didn't show me any sins. He didn't show me any of those things that you're like, oh no, please. He's not going to, is he? He began to show me the purpose that he has for your life. The purpose that he has for your life this morning. And I want to share some of those things in a moment. This revelation that we have of Elisha from Elijah, this impartation of ministry, this anointing from ministry, it could not happen outside of the sovereign plan of God. And what Jesus shows us as we move into the New Testament and we move into the life of Jesus and we read from Luke chapter four, we read about where this power comes from, where this anointing comes from, where this impartation comes from. It comes from the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 19, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. 
Just before this, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fight temptation. And now is the transfer. Now is this impartation from the Holy Spirit. Jesus has resisted temptation. And now it says he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read the scroll of Isaiah. And he finds the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus stands up in the power of the Spirit and he says, the Lord has anointed me in the power of the Spirit to proclaim to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was anointed for this kind of ministry. And you might be saying, but that's Jesus. What does that have anything to do with me? The ministry continues in Matthew chapter 10, verse one to eight, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority. Everyone say authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the 12 apostles. So Jesus calls the 12 disciples to him, the 12 apostles to him. And I want to read you the names. You might have forgotten. Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, sons of thunder. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Atheus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go out among the Gentiles or enter any town of Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus called 12 disciples to him. How many did Jesus anoint for ministry? Twelve. You might be saying, but Joel, okay, I'm not Jesus, I'm not Elisha, I'm not Elijah, I'm definitely not Peter or Andrew or James or John or Bart. But he anointed all 12. 
You know who's in the mix? The one who betrayed him. Are you a little better than Judas? I'm a little better than Judas. I'm going to claim that one. What happens is what we have made ministry is we've made it entertainment. And it is an impartation of the Holy Spirit. It is by the work of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, that ministry is in operation. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, chose to set aside his divinity to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason this was necessary that Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit is to show us what was possible. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is where? It's in you. If this kind of ministry was only for the select few, why would Jesus say, go out into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why would Jesus say that you will do even greater things than me? Can you imagine if the 2.7 billion professing Christians were filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit? I love doctors, I love hospitals, I love nurses, I bless them, we need them. But if 2.7 billion people were filled with the Spirit, we wouldn't need them. Judas betrayed Jesus, but before that, he was used by Jesus in the work of ministry. I believe that this morning, the Lord wants to, to pour out his blessing, and I'm going to pause my message there. <clears throat> 